Mental health problems are a huge issue at the moment, as is brain health. There are certain ways you can keep your mind and brain exercised and well. A lot of these ways are really common, such as mindfulness, yoga, stretching, exercise, the things we've all heard of. In this episode, I wanted to explore four ways you may not have considered. None of these are expensive, they're all free, and they're scientifically backed in improving your mind and your brain function. That's all coming up in this week's episode of the Choosing Happy Podcast. Hello, I'm Heather Masters. Welcome to the Choosing Happy Podcast and this episode, four unobvious ways to nurture your mind for happiness. It might not surprise you to know the number one thing to keep you healthy in your mind and your brain is actually to begin to take care of yourself. And most of the ways to nurture your mind we're discussing today fall into that category. I'm going to start with number one. I'm going to call it the the taking care of yourself and your mind solution. When you talk to a close friend and they're really down and depressed and they're struggling to get through life, it's easy to come up with a whole list of suggestions of things they can try to keep themselves motivated. The last thing you want is for them to give up on life, to be in a life of despair and to be down so that they're almost unfunctioning. Yet, under the same circumstances, we rarely give ourselves the same advice. One of the main ways to stay in aliveness, to stay with an alert mind, to stay motivated, to nurture your mental health is to find something to truly care about something that's important and that matters to you, that matters enough to you to get out of bed in the morning. And when that is something to do with self-care, that helps even more. I'm not talking about being selfish. If you can't show up for yourself, how can you show up for other people? Self-care is vitally important for well-being. The idea is to treat yourself as you would treat a good friend. If you had a guest staying over for the weekend, think of the list of things that you would automatically do to ensure their stay is really exceptional and that you're taking care of them. Simple things like how you talk to a good friend when they're down is probably very different from how you talk to yourself. You probably judge yourself, maybe even criticize yourself. Give yourself a hard time rather than giving yourself grace and ease and accepting that actually life is hard. And we all struggle through each day. We all have challenges and we all have that inner voice who wants to beat us down. Which dog do we feed? Can we change our perspective? 
Can we really look at things as if we were talking to our best friend? If you make that mistake, do you really have to be so hard on yourself? Or can you acknowledge that it's not going to be the end of the world? It's recoverable and you can start again and you've learned something. When you wake up in the morning, can you choose that today is going to be a day that you're going to feel alive? You're going to care for yourself. You're going to exercise. You're going to have that shower. All those things, those common things that help us with our mind and mental health, such as to keep moving, to listen to good music, to sing that favorite song at the top of our voice in the shower. Are you going to speak to yourself as someone you care for with self-respect? someone you can be proud of. And pride is interesting. I struggle with the use of pride because of all of the myths around pride. Pride comes before a fall, for instance. Yet there's a certain level of pride, a certain level of self-respect that we all must have in order to get up and to face the world and to truly show up in at least 80 to 90% of our potential. If we don't have pride, we won't step up toward our full potential. It's been a bit of a difficult lesson for me, that one. It's easy to do nothing. It's easy to not show up. It's easy to show up at 40, 50% and then to moan about how the world's treating us and what a hard and tough place it is. Again, another lesson for me is just to accept that the world is wonderful, it's magical, and it just throws loads of stuff at you that will bring you to your knees. It's how you get up again that matters. So take care of yourself. Give yourself grace. Do things that make yourself proud. And be proud enough to do things that matter. Have high standards for yourself, standards that you expect from others, that help you rise, that help you stay standing tall in a world where people are often crouching down and hiding. The next unobvious way to nurture your mind kind of follows on from this, and it's about intentions having intentions for everything that you do and following through with those intentions. Actually saying out loud, I intend to do this and I intend to get this result. So that you're making a contract with yourself and with the universe, that you're going to show up, you're going to give it your best and that you're going to be open to receive all of the help that the universe can send your way. Setting an intention is setting a commitment to yourself and to the universe. And it's setting something deep inside that tells your unconscious mind that you're going to do this, you can do this. Sometimes for one and two, it feels like there's something missing. Maybe that's the permission to matter, the permission to set the intention to commit, to succeed. Be purposeful. Give yourself permission and set an intention over and over again for each thing that you set out to do during the day. For instance, if you're sitting down to work, 
you can set the intention. I'm going to do my social media engagement for exactly 30 minutes with the intention to serve and build long-lasting relationships with those I meet online. When you sit down to write your copy, if you're a marketer, set the intention that you're going to write the best copy that you can within the next hour. If you're traveling to work and you're driving, set the intention that you're going to have the best journey that it's going to flow with ease. You're going to get there on time. You're going to be calm and relaxed and enjoy the journey. We've mentioned exercise. And number three is the mental benefits of dance. Dance has existed for thousands of years. And we know that moving your body is a popular way to express yourself and to exercise. But dancing offers many benefits for mental health and brain function. It offers benefits for your emotions, your intelligence, your relationships. Learning and practicing dance can improve your self-esteem. Again, the amount that you respect and value yourself is your self-esteem. And showing yourself that you can learn and master new moves and skills through dance can improve your self-esteem and confidence. It improves your mood and attitude. While you move, while you're learning, while you're performing, while you're just relaxing into the music, your mood can lift and change alongside the groove of the music and just the endorphins being released, helping you feel so much better. If you go out to dance, it can help you meet new people and create social interaction. We know that talking and spending time with others improves your mood. It also eases loneliness. And through that, it can ease depression and anxiety. It raises your heart rate and works your muscles and can help with symptoms of depression and anxiety by releasing certain chemicals in your brain. It also provides a way to escape repetitive negative thoughts and worries. And it protects your memory. Learning to dance can help you forge new neural pathways, especially as you get older. Learning different moves and styles of dance sharpens your ability to remember these kinds of details, and this can help prevent dementia. Number four is something I learned through neurolinguistic programming as a practitioner, master practitioner, and now trainer. It's using peripheral vision. Foveal vision is the vision that we're almost conditioned to using today. Foveal vision is when we're using screens and we are focused and we often become tunnel visioned into what we're looking at. We can be blind to anything outside of that screen. Peripheral vision is the use of wider vision to the sides of your eyes and around. If you take it more advanced as we do for training, you can almost see behind you. You shift your awareness with your peripheral vision so it feels like you can actually see behind you. But what peripheral vision actually does is it changes the way your brain works as well. It opens you up. It opens up your awareness. You're focused in a different way. 
it can cause you to detach the emotions. So it stops the, the mind chatter and the negative emotions. It helps you relax and it helps you concentrate. Within neurolinguistic programming, it's called the learning state. It's from a Huna Hawaiian technique called Hakalau. The learning state is absolutely sure to help you in a learning environment to concentrate on learning. It's also one of the solutions that can be practiced to reduce the effects of ADHD. We teach it to children as it can really help them improve their grades. By switching your attention from part internal thoughts, part external awareness to 100% attention in the external environment, you're able to take in far more of what's going on. This means that you relax into your environment and you're able to improve your retention of any learning that you may be doing. Hence, that's why it's called the learning state. So when you want to relax, when you want to learn, when you want to turn off the internal chatter, then try Hakalau. I've included instructions in the show notes. Scientifically speaking, peripheral vision is the element of overall vision which occurs outside the centre of the gaze. When you speak of seeing something out the corner of your eye, you're referring to peripheral vision. Here are some cool facts that are not commonly known about peripheral vision. Athletes undergo sports vision training that includes improving peripheral vision. Very few people are born with perfect sight, and peripheral vision is important. Athletes are trained to be aware of their periphery and notice actions that are not occurring directly in front of them. Peripheral vision is a safety supporter. It allows us to see objects from the side, helping to prevent side impact crashes and avoid things coming out of left field, literally. It allows us to see better at night. The peripheral vision of a horse is better than a human being. However, because the horse's eyes point to the sides, there's a blind spot of vision right ahead of their noses. Peripheral vision is practically all in black and white and has very low resolution. You don't really notice the difference because the motion of the eye will compensate. And peripheral vision can help with speed reading. Most people read with the central focus and that prevents them from seeing up to 50% of the words in the text. The value of peripheral vision becomes very apparent when driving a car. The reaction time that protects us from car accidents is also noticeable in self-defence. Martial arts instructors will point out how peripheral vision allows a person to better defend themselves from unexpected attacks. One of the biggest forms of entertainment happens to be video games, which some people claim to be a waste of time. Actually, some of those video games can be excellent vision exercises. In order to be an expert in video games, you have to have good peripheral vision. Central vision is not always going to be of help because objects from the side of the screen are coming towards you. Peripheral vision can be used in meditation. It's pretty normal to close your eyes when meditating, but you can meditate with eyes wide open and use peripheral vision to do it. The reason is that peripheral vision can be used to relax. In coordination with deep breathing, a person performing this type of meditation will concentrate vision on the side. It's known to relax the visual system by giving your central vision a much needed break 
and allowing your mind to focus on other things. Peripheral vision is so important for so many reasons, and an individual should appreciate that usage range from safety to recreation. Video games and sports are made more interesting and more fun because of peripheral vision. Developing peripheral vision can also help in the effort to relax the body. That's the four unobvious ways to nurture your mind and your brain for happiness. If you have any questions about this episode, please drop me a line at heather at choosinghappy.co.uk. I'd be grateful if you could like and subscribe to find out more about future episodes. Thank you for taking the time to listen today and I look forward to seeing you next week in the Choosing Happy podcast. <laughs>